Hi, Muffet. <laughs> well, I think this is the first time we're gonna ever speak in English. <laughs> speak in English because I want to speak Spanish. <laughs> But we're doing it for a bigger objective. We're gonna start with like these random questions that I do. Let's see. Um, small tongue twister in your language. Tres tristes tigres con el trigo en un trigal. I was thinking about the same one. <laughs> That's the basic one. Okay, let's see another question. Mm, what's your favorite curse word and why? Um, I think my favorite curse word is pincho. Because <laughs> so I use it a lot. <laughs> why do you use it? For what? What cases? Um, for example, when I don't understand something, I'll go like, no entiendo ni pincho. Or when I'm mad, I'm always going like, Pincho. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one I use more. <laughs> Is this Peruvian? Because I also use it a lot. Uh, I think it's Peruvian. Because in Argentina, you would say choto. <laughs> I think it's, you're not sure. <laughs> I, I love how curse words change place to place, even if it's the same language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> What do you study? I study political science at FIU in Miami. Wow. And before you were studying in UK, right? Um, yeah, I did uh, half a year in UK, but I was studying in Peru. So like the basics from college in Peru, I went to UK for half a year and then I moved to the US because my sister has to move. So I'm here taking care of her. Yeah, we'll only because of your sister, for sure. <laughs> Who doesn't want to live in Miami, so... <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I have to visit you, like, you told me clubs are open, I think I have to visit you. Uh, of course, come here, this is your home. <laughs> first, I would love to go to Peru, but let's see if we can, after elections, my parents okay. aren't waiting until elections, but well. Yeah, everyone's doing that, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back, or like, in vacation, yeah. because what if I can't get back in? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing, mm kind of travel times for Peru but that's yeah. the reason we're doing this podcast as well maybe you can tell me what led you to study politics um it's kind of a funny story because I wanted to study sociology when I was young but you know sociology is not that well paid in Peru so my mom wouldn't let me study that she said she, was, she wasn't gonna pay for something that wasn't gonna like give me the money she paid back sure. so she practically um chose it for me <laughs> so I was like I want to go to sociology and then she was like just study political science maybe you'll like it and I was very mad at her so when I started uni I loved it I started the first semester and I just fell in love with it and yeah that's what made me study politics and also because I think um politics is like the best way to help people because I know it's not something that people think about you usually think um, politics are shit. And like, for example, people in Peru say politics are killing their like mental health. <laughs> and I know it may be like that, but if you do it well, if you do it for a bigger cause, politics can be like the best way to help people. And yeah, that's what motivates me to like- You like to run for president or something like uh, that? Not really. I like the part of politics where you're like, And the shadow <laughs> where you're like um, reading, helping, maybe helping someone who has to become a politician. But it's not really something I would do because like it's not me. It's not part of my personality. I'm not like the one who goes and like wants to be like um, represent a representative like in uni or something. 
And basically that's not what political scientists do anyway. They're like um, the ones who help the politicians. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a president. Um, I'd love to help someone who wants to be a president. I would like to be a diplomat. That's like something more low key, not as big, like not as a campaign and stuff. Um, yeah, and be more in the public, but like the behind low key. The, curtains, yeah. the competent people behind what you're doing. I think that's very, we need people like yeah. you. So uh, I'm <laughs> looking forward to see in which, in 10 years, I'll ask you again, like, so what? what's up? <laughs> I hope I do it. <laughs> Politics is a subject that we are all interested because it's it's for our own interest. If someone wins and then you're like, yeah, but I didn't want him to be there. And then they're like, yeah, maybe should have gotten more interested in the politics of my country. And we're always regretting afterwards. And that's why we before, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for example, that's what's happening right now because you see a lot of people that's like, oh my God, I should have voted something as simple as voting because a lot of people were like oh I'm gonna travel um or I don't want to go vote because of COVID um and yeah I've seen a lot of people who didn't vote because they were like in Cajamarca and they should be in Lima so and now everyone's like oh go vote go vote and you know maybe you should have voted and like represented beforehand not right now when there's like no solution so yeah I think it's important to like most of the people I know are gonna vote Uh, how is it nulo? Mm-hmm. Um, white. Yeah, white. like white vote. Because they are, now we're like between two options that are like so hard to choose. You choose one and you choose getting like by the back and then the other one is stopped by the front. You know, like you yeah. have both of them. Like no good outcome here. It's like yeah. either left or right, but they're like both super extreme. There's not a good place to be. And I personally love to be like in the middle to have the good things from both and the, i'm like oh. <laughs> how, do, how did we get there you know like yeah. with so many people that are so competent people that have so good education how did we choose these two stupid people yeah yeah our next president but well <laughs> but how would you interest youth in politics like how could you you're we both are young Peruvian so how would you change the way we see politics like how to get interested I think the Peruvian youth is interested but it's not listened and I think the way you could make them interested is to like show them that people are listening so for example um you get like the November the past November do you remember like the protests people were like going out and you know people who you wouldn't imagine like they would be interested in politics they were like protesting um they were posting on instagram posting on facebook so that i think that when they feel like they're hearing them like the older people are hearing them that's when they become more interested because like you are giving them like respect to what they're saying to their opinion so i think that if we listen young people more we listen to what they want for the country to what they expect from politicians things could change because like it's the youth who's going to be the future and it's them who has like the better ideas like the modern ideas who wants like what's better for everyone who wants um inclusion who's not they're not that homophobic anymore they're not that sexist so if you show them that you're listening then they will get interested but if you don't and if like it's the same old people in politics doing the same things that like all people want then 
people are like, okay, I, I don't care anymore. And also I think um, a good uh, media, a good tool is media, social media. And I think that is helping a lot for young people to get interested. It's like, you know, you see a lot of posting about politics that you wouldn't see in other times. So yeah, I think it's um, showing them that you are listening and giving them the tools that would be social media or like media in general. That's also the reason that I decided to start this podcast. We have like, now we have so many tools and so, so many resources to really get informed. You go to YouTube and you start looking in one video, then you can spend five hours and sometimes you can get so much information. But yeah. where do you start from? You know, like what's the point that gets you to be knowledgeable about about all the story about your country about everywhere everything that is going around all the world it's really hard like it's also very tiring you know mm -hmm. so i also understand why sometimes people are like this is I i'm done with it yeah i'm not getting involved because it's hard it's it's yeah i've i've read a lot of people they usually say it's hard to be mad all the time like you have to be mad because like the world is full of injustice But it's hard to like be aware of everything and always try to like comment on everything. It's very hard, like for, you, for your mental health, especially. Like right now, Peru is killing everyone's mental health. <laughs> I'm in yeah. exams and it's so hard, like to to concentrate and to think about my exams. I'm like, okay, my exams can wait because like the future of my country in six days, everything can change. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen with us. It's going to be very hard if we don't have a good. Uh, like we don't have a good outcome and you know what's really sad is that um it's always extremism bringing more extremism but from different sides so if you get a communist totally communist um government right now and in if there's something like something good happens and we have elections in the next five years it's going to be uh the extreme right that's going to be the government because like you're going to go from one place to another and then if we get an extreme right in five years we're going to get extreme left because people are going to be tired and there's never going to be like a middle ground middle point so it's going to be hard from now on like wh whether any of them win it's going to be really hard for our country because we were in a good way like we we're growing and we're going somewhere before the pandemic so yeah i really don't understand how we got to these people but <laughs> we can maybe start talking about historical facts of like how latin american I'm really trying to be the most neutral. Okay, until now, I'm, I haven't been the most neutral person. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> But now when I will really try to be as neutral as I can. I'll be the, the devil's advocate. There's this announcement that we wrote down. That is that Peru is ruled by a handful of powerful groups for their own benefit. I've always heard this. And that is kind of true. Because um, you could see it from two different points. So... We are usually used to talk about these 12 companies and they are called the 12 economic apostles in Peru. That's how they named them. It's Francisco Duran, he's the one who named them. So you can see them either from a good or a bad point. From a good point, they are like the ones who move the economy in Peru and they're very involved in like public stuff. Like they are involved in helping like public policy. They make, I don't know, um, hospitals, infrastructure, you know? But from the bad side, they're like kind of, they have captured the state for years. So since Fukimori entered with the neoliberalism, they're like the ones who make the bigger decisions. And a lot of decisions are made towards them to benefit them. 
because at, at the end they are benefiting the economy. So like you, you'll say, oh, it's okay. But if you are taking decisions, like you're making decisions that will only benefit them, you're really not helping the rest. And that's maybe where the problem starts. And that's why we have people like Castillo coming up to the power because like you're leaving a lot of people behind and you're leaving a lot, a big amount of population behind when you're just focusing on this like 12 or like this part of the economy. And you're not really focusing like smaller businesses or like average businesses. And yeah, for example, um, a good example of this is like uh, a, a while ago, we had a leftist president, Ollanta Humala. And uh, before the elections, one would think that he would be super radical, like he was going to do a lot of things. And he didn't do as much, which was like, okay, because we were not we are not ready for like a super, well, never, no one is ready for like an extremist communist government, but he wasn't able to do a lot of things that he promised because the state was at the end, the state is captured. So like one of these really big businesses can come and tell you, okay, you do this and I'm leaving the country. And this business has more money for it. Like the money they have, they give to your country is so important that you can't do that because if they leave, you're, you're done. So like, for example, we have businesses in Peru that have more money than what Peru has as a country. So, so that, that is why it's like, they are the ones who like control the state at some point. Could you name some, some companies or? Um, I'd start like the mining companies, maybe um, Buenaventura, for example, um, El Grupo Romero, Granny Montero, the ones from BCP, the banks, um, Yeah, they are like the ones who really move a lot of money in Peru. And we can't, uh, like, to be honest, we can't afford them leaving because it would leave us with no capital to like work. So they're like the ones who move our economy. But they're they're great for us. Like they give jobs, but also it's the state that's not like controlling them. So you need a state that regulates them, but it's them regulating the state. So we need a, maybe we need a stronger state. One of the propositions of Castillo is, what is he proposing? Oh, yeah. So what I've read is, first of all, he wants the mining, like the big companies where mining is, um, to give 70% of what they make. And they can 70%. like, yeah, and they can keep 30%. And um, give 70% away to people, um, like to the government, so that the government can make, can use it for like public goods but there's no company that's going to give 70% of what they win. And like they, he's like, okay, so if you don't like it, just leave. And of course everyone's gonna leave because like, it's not, it's economically, that's not working. That's not good because you know, uh, like when a big company comes to Peru or to a country, they sign things that say like, like I am going to work for this amount of time in your country and you are supposed to let me work. So if you don't, if you come and tell me like, give me 70% of what you make, I'm going to leave and I am going to, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have to pay me back because I am putting money into your country. So we're going to have a lot of people leaving, a lot of companies leaving, and we're going to have a debt with them. So that's, that's really difficult. And he's also planning on giving Canon Minero, like the money that comes out of the mine that has to go to the community where the mine is to the regional governments. And we all know that regional governments are not that strong. They are very corrupt. So that'll be a big problem because it's too much to manage. 
mining should be controlled in a sense where you should protect the environment. Like they should be like the state should see that they're protecting the environment and they should be controlled in a sense where like they are giving back to the community because they have to. Like if you're using the community's land, you have to give back to them. You have to give jobs to them. You have to like help them, but they shouldn't be controlled to the point that you take what they're profiting because that's helping the country. The money they are making is going back to the country. It's, it's being translated into jobs. So you can't go as far as taking all that money from them because they will leave. And if they leave, we, we are going to be the ones who lose, not them because they go to another country, so. I was reading that our country loses 6.5 billion to corruption per every year. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so much money. That's too much. It's it's even like knowing that when you are in um, in the state, when you're working in the state, like for a city, you have to give two um, budgets for the things you're going to be building. So you give a. Uh, but uh, like an official budget for the economy minister so that he knows how much money you're going to be needing like to build roads, to build um, houses. And then you have the unofficial budget that's less money, which is like the money you're going to be given to a certain like company for like the corruption, the corrupt part. So we even like have, so we like, we even do budgets to what, what you're going to be stealing. So yeah, corruption is, it's what's, so fucking up our country <laughs> basically it's like the big problem our country has and the whole of latin america it's like the big problem in third world countries we're also going to talk about latin american history so we can also understand why we are as we are but now that we're already talking about peru we can also talk about weak institutions we have weak institutions and we also don't as you were saying regulations are always boycotted so um i say that this is also affected by corruption negatively because um, we could have institutions that are independent from the government. An example is UNEDU, that's an independent institution that regulates education, whether it's education that's public or private. But we have this problem with corruption that, for example, the congressmen and congresswomen are the ones who own universities in our country. And they are also the ones who are in the Congress. So they are trying to like stop Sunel from becoming stronger. They're trying to like, they're, they've come to a point where they're trying to raise it, disappear it. And that's not okay. Cause like you're taking a strong and independent institution that's regulating and making things better. And you're trying to like disappear it because of corruption and because you need the money because it's a business for them, education. So I think um, our country, I know this is like a joke and everyone says the political scientists say that we have to make strong institutions like that's always the answer but i'm pretty i'm positive that's the answer like stronger independent institutions who like regulate everyone who regulate the government who regulate for example um mining and who are not who don't have like political interests that's why they should be independent so they're not from a certain um political party and they're just looking for like a, something good in the country so yeah maybe um that's what would help our country like it would even help regulate corruption but the thing is that the political elite is also the economic elite so it's really hard to regulate and they are inside everything so, yeah i've been reading these articles where people say if castillo is elected he can't actually act he can't dissolve the parliament he cannot what would happen if he goes to power and he wants to let's say 
erase every every institution that we are mentioning until the moment? Um, well, for starters, it would be very hard to do that because like it's not uh, something you can just one day wake up and like I'm the president. I want to erase the Congress. I don't want any more Congress. I don't want like poder judicial. I'm not sure how it's um, like the court, like the Supreme Court wait, here. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you'd have to either be a dictator and have the military behind you to do that, or you'd have to do it like in a democratic process, like what happened to us last year or the year before that, where like there's a series, like there's a process you have to follow where you like try, like it's to be simple, you try to like pass the Congress and the Congress won't accept it, then you do it again, the Congress won't accept it. It'll be like, the Congress is blocking me, I am going to dissolve the Congress. That's one democratic way to do it. But like any past problem in the Congress, you just go and close it because you have the military behind you, then that would be a dictatorship. And he can do it, but I'm not sure if he has the military with him. I think the military is not going to help him until now. I know that the military doesn't like to be involved in politics since Fujimori. And I'm not sure if they're going to help him, but you, you never know because it's it's power and it's money. So he could talk to them and he could get them to support him. But we're not sure, we hope, like, let's hope that if he gets to power, then the military will remain neutral. Because, But it, it is possible. If it becomes a dictatorship, it is possible. But like democratically, that's not going to be able, he's not going to be able to do it. Everybody is very worried about this. It's a big concern in the Peruvian population. But what about expropriation? Could he do that? Is it allowed? Uh, it is not allowed in our constitution. But he, he also could... wants to change the constitution, right? Yeah, and that's another problem, in my opinion. That's another problem. Um, you could he could do like uh, what's called a reforma agraria. That's something that has been done in in Latin America for a long time by different governments. We had it once in our country and with Velasco. So he could do it through a reform agraria. Agrarian but, reform. Mm -hmm. But he would have to like go through a big process. But it, I mean, it's a possibility. Although it wouldn't be right away. If he gets to power, he'd have to like spend some time in power before doing it. But he could, he could through that and through a small change in the constitution. I mean, he said he won't, so let's hope he won't do it. But okay, know. we've talked about Castillo a lot, but what about Teiko? Like, what are the things that we should fear about her being elected? Well, first of all, Keiko is not... Um, I mean, people usually say that we're marching for democracy, but because when we're, like, talking about her, we're saving democracy. She's not democratic at all. Like, you know her father, he wasn't a dictator, full-on dictator, and... Um, she his father disappeared people so she could like go to do the same things i mean she's not going to be democratic and as we we've seen her in the congress the their congressmen her congressmen and congresswomen are not interested in the country they're interested in them they are for example they're the ones who are like the like i mentioned they're the ones who are the owners of universities so you don't see like a interest in the public good you see an interest in, on them and they were always trying to block the president. So she's not that democratic. She would be very authoritative. Like she could buy the media. And that's that's very, that's like dangerous because you wouldn't be informed. 
and it will also be like dangerous for us as like people like when you tweet something about her or when you post something about her it could they could attack you if they want because that's what usually happened in her father's um in her father's government and also you'd have like she's one of the most corrupt women that there there is i mean where does she get all the money to do such big campaigns she's done three big big campaigns i mean she's given money so where does that com money come from if she doesn't work corruption if corruption is now a big problem in our country when she comes to power it's going to be even worse and she's going to be able to do it without any problem like she's going to be able to steal without any problem so yeah so it's like repeating history it's basically like going to Fujimori and then him come to government come to government come to power again and we know how that ended up I mean he took a lot of money from us Everybody is using the argument that Fujimori was the president that stopped terrorist groups. What do you think about that? Do you think that it's a it's a reason that people can actually justify themselves to vote for Keiko? Right now, we we are seeing again terrorist groups emerging. Well, the same terrorist group is emerging. What could happen? They're alleging that Pedro Castillo has a link with them. Do you have some information about that? Well, I am. Um... It's skeptical about that. I'm not sure if he does have a link, but there are some things that point towards that. For example, there's people who are in Movadev, that's Sendero Luminoso, the terrorist group right now, that are also in his party. There are some links between Could them. Could you give a brief summary of what Sendero Luminoso? Of course, um, in the 80s and 90s in our country, Sendero Luminoso was this communist, Maoist, Leninist communist um, group uh it, the leader was called is called Abimel Guzman he was a philosophy teacher from Ayacucho and he had this idea that we had to go back to before even Incas history before even Incas because um there was no equality and the only way to get equality was like getting rid of people who were not uh, okay with the fact the equality he wanted and They were very violent. They killed people in the city. But what was hard, the hardest, is that they tortured and killed people in the highlands, and nobody knew about it for like years, because they were not, like the media didn't cover that. And we have like serious tortures and like serious killings. Like it's really when you read about it, it's really hard to like process how much suffering and how much torture and how many women were raped by them. But that time was also really hard because it wasn't just coming from Sendero Luminoso, but like in an effort to stop it, the army was also being very, um, they were torturing too. Like they were torturing students who were like reading communist readings. Like I open Marx, a Marx book and they come and kill me. It came from both sides, more from Sendero Luminoso clearly, but it was a really hard time for people, especially for people who were not in the city, people who were not heard. So yeah, and that's a very delicate um, topic even now. After Abimael Uzman was captured, we have, like, this group didn't disappear, but it has now turned into Movadev. And, um, like I said, there's people that are linked to Movadev that are also linked to Castillo. So that is troublesome. But also when we talk about, like, how Fujimori stopped communist terrorism, he may have um, made it, like, he may have given more power to the army to do it, like, more freedom to do it, which was what helped stop the spread. But he wasn't the one who did it. Like he was in Iquitos when Abimar Guzman was captured. He didn't know that he was captured. He was like 
in Iquitos, and there was this group that's Hain, that's like the CIA in Peru. And they were the ones who made the effort and they were the ones who got captured. So and like, you could say that he, he helped stop because he was like, okay, let the army be free and be stronger and like stop it. But you wouldn't like, it's not okay to give him that credit for that. Cause it wasn't him who was like working. It was a group of people in that were following Abimar Guzman for like months. Maybe that's why people say that um, Keiko would stop terrorism. That's really hard to know. Cause like, you don't know if she's linked to narco terrorism. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, when you're talking about something that delicate and that serious, and you have like the possibility that someone who's linked to them coming to power, that's very, very dangerous. Cause like, you know how much they hurt our country. So it's not something that you should like, oh, give him the benefit of the doubt. Cause like, it's super, super important for us to not forget what happened to people in that time. That's why I'm also asking you about this right now. People are also forgetting that Fujimori wasn't the best president ever. He's in, in prison right now for crimes against humanity. Could you explain a bit of these crimes he did or why he why is he in prison? How old is he? Like 90 or something? Yeah, and he, yeah, he's not, for example, he's not in prison because of corruption. One would think he's in prison because of corruption. But he's in prison, in prison because he was, first of all, he disappeared... Um, I forgot the word, periodistas. Journalists? <laughs> yeah, he disappeared journalists. He, he was the one who owned the media at that time. So if there were journalists who were not okay with what he was doing, who were trying to like show that he was corrupt, he would just disappear them. There's a case where he um, killed up a journalist, a woman, and like tortured her and- And chopped her in pieces. And then one of the congresswomen, Marta Chavez, said that she, uh, I'm not sure if it was Marta Chavez, but it was one of her congresswomen. She said that she did it to herself. <laughs> so that, what? that's it. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> what? we also have this very important case, which is something that we're talking about lately, that he went to the highlands and without telling the people that, telling women that he was going to like, it's them just did it saying that he was they're going to be um i forgot the word vacunadas uh vaccines yeah he was telling them that they were going to be vaccines but he was like sterilizing them and i mean that was part of his like policy to stop poverty that's not that like that's not a good policy like come on well some (laughs) argue some argue that in the highlands in Peru, people are usually used to have more than five or six kids because you get, I don't know how much money from the government, but they give you some extra money for each kid you have. So that's yeah. why some people argue that this is something that also is stop the highlands and like the indigenous people to progress. And that's why he, he did that. That's, that's what some people argue. I mean, you could like say that the fact that they're having a lot of kids and they're not in like the best condition is like not helping them. You could say that, but the way of controlling that is not through sterilizations, it's through like sexual education, like the use of anti teaching them about contraceptives by, you know, sexism is really hard in the highlands and like men don't like women to use contraceptives because like I'm the only one who touches you so 
yeah i mean um that like through education like that's the way you do it but the just going and sterilizing people without them knowing that's that's a human right abuse also who are you to choose how many kids someone should have also we, we have to take in consideration that people in the highlands and people in the city they live their life in different ways they they're doing different stuff so i i don't Uh, for me, I really don't justify that at all because, like, sometimes I argue this same same thing with many people and always older than me, like my the generation of my mom. You know, they would be like, "Yeah, but they were doing something good for them," and I'm like, "No, because you can't decide. You can't decide above someone else." And that's also something that until now abortion in Peru is not accepted. And it's still the same thing. It's still the same argument. You can't decide over the body of someone else. Yeah, you can't, like, you are not someone who, like, chooses who is going to have kids. And, for example, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that in the city. I mean, you wouldn't go to the city and, like, tell people, I'm gonna, I'm going to, like, vaccinate you and, like, start sterilizing them. That, that's something you wouldn't do. But he does it in the Highlands. And there's, like, racism and classism. Implicitly, there's racism and classism in what he did. That's also one of the, one of the reasons why he is, um, he is known for, like, going against human, human rights. For example, he tortured his wife, he electrocuted his wife. And so, yeah, like, um, and you also know that, like, for example, he he gave uh, freedom to the army. This is something I usually fight a lot with my dad about because my dad goes like, okay, but like, there was nothing else to do. I mean, you had to like get rid of the terrorism, terrorists. And I know you had to, but it's not okay to go and tell the army, hey, just kill everyone who seems communist. I mean, that's not okay. Cause you like, you kill people that are not communist. I know in my, Um, my uni- the university I went to in Peru, that there were students, actual students who like had nothing to do with terrorism who were killed or disappeared by the army. So that's also really um, delicate. Like you can just tell them to like kill everyone who, who seems like terrorist. Some people yeah. would argue that you can't give the benefit of the doubt to some. Yeah, I mean, that's what they tell, but like, you know you 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 don't there's not much you can do when you're like the president there's something that hard going on i mean you have to get rid of them but um i mean it's 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 a really difficult topic because and like at the end you are killing innocent people too like you're making them suffer too and there's a there's this text that was written in 2003 that's um like that's made by la comisión de la verdad y la reconciliación in peru where There were a lot. There's a lot of data there. There's a lot of history there in that text. It's really nice to read if you want to read it sometime. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this group of people of academic Peruvians who went around the highlands, the places where Sendero Luminoso attacked, and recorded people talking about it. We also have a museum about it. And so when you read that, you can also read that the military was also really hard on people. Like for example the military used to like rape uh, Highland women. I like just rape them and tell them, scream at, scream at them, tell them, oh, you fucking terrorist. When they were like, the only bad thing they were doing is like living in Ayacucho. And, yeah, so it came from both sides. We can't deny the abuse that was, that existed back then. That's that's also a debate right now because Keiko, one of her, Keiko's um, proposals is that she wants to stop calling it conflicto armado interno and she wants to call it call it like it is terrorismo but um 
the fact that they call it conflict armado interno is not that they're trying to say that it wasn't there wasn't terrorism because terrorism is something that happens and it's like not um conditioned to whether it's left right it, it happens it happens for religious reasons it happens for left right reasons and um she doesn't want to call it like that because she doesn't want to acknowledge that it was also there were also like um tortures from the military so yeah i think they call it like that because of legal reasons because if you call it like a war then the terrorists could like argue that everything is legally everything can be done in words so yeah it's it's also coming back to a debate that i'm always talking about this with my mom and she's like yeah but you 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 don't know what happened back then and that's why you're voting for this person or this person because you don't know what happened and i'm like yeah but you know at home and i think i speak for many people like i mean yeah i have heard some stuff that my grandpa heard in the radio and stuff like that and i know that keiko is they both are talking about having this uh, in school but i'm really really curious to see how would they teach story both of them you know um yeah that i mean keiko teaching about terrorism that would be kind of weird because she'd like go all the way against what it's proved about his father and i mean we all know that the president controlling education like what's been taught it's not that democratic but i'm also sure that, i mean if i would be the one who like teaches terrorism i would start by the comité reconciliación because i think that's a very neutral text and it really is very informative it's very explicit too it's hard to teach people like kids about it comité reconciliación Yeah. Let me let me get the real name. So well, in English it would be the Reconciliation Committee. It's um it's a text that was published around 2003 by Alejandro Toledo was the one who like wanted this to be published. Okay. It's uh it's a very long text and it's it's like trying to record everything that happened back then. Very hard to read. I remember I read it once like Uh, I haven't read it all because it's really long. I read one part of it and it was so hard. I mean, I started crying because it was really hard to like read everything, especially that was done to women, like very hard. I remember I read that um, Sendero Luminoso forced a woman in the jungle to like cook her daughter, like her baby daughter. What? Yeah, and that that is what she said in in the um, in the text. That that's one of the things I read. So that tortures were. Yeah, it's really hard to read, but I think it's important. It's very it important. important to not not forget our history. Yeah, and I think that if we are having a threat of coming back to this same, we should do something about it. Some people are are not really giving as much importance as as we should right now to terrorism mm -hmm. that they weren't active like for so many years, and now they're coming up menacing people to vote for against each other. It really, is super scary. We're not talking about this enough. Yeah, I think that. Um, there should be a big campaign about it, like uh, information campaign about it. Because like we haven't, our parents, like they arrived, we haven't lived it. We just know because like, I, I remember I was very interested in that when I was young. So I had my dad and my grandparents like tell me stories about it, but um, it's not enough. I mean, no, n not everyone is interested. So there should, like this should be part of our education When, when we are young, I mean, we should be taught about this because this is very, this is a very like important part in our history and it could come back. So it's important for like people to know, spread the word, but you know, it's very important to spread like real information because the, the fact that this topic is so um, delicate 
also helps like people to spread fake news so yeah it's important to like read about it not only like if you don't like reading you can like access a lot of like sources about something we were talking about as well is narco trafficking this is something that i think we don't address enough because this is also shaping latin american uh politics well um first of all i think narco traffic is one of the reasons why we have the U.S. so involved in our politics, because most of what we produce here goes to U.S., goes to Europe. And um, it's a very, it's very, it's a very important concern because it's so easy for like narco, like for, like it's so easy to like take coke out of Peru and take it to other where, to somewhere else. And that's like kind of, doubting like you 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 you'd ask yourself why is it so easy i mean there's there has to be some some link with the state or with like the army you know like how how is it so easy but that this is just me like talking i'm not sure if there is a relation i know that this is a very hard topic i have a friend who like whose brother um is uh, in the army and he is in Brian where like they fight the narcoterrorism and it's very hard and it's something that's been happening for so long in our country and in other countries and it doesn't stop. I mean, it was like the focus in like the 80s and 90s of um, international politics for a while, but it, it never stopped. I also could like argue that we maybe we should start like trying to stop it from another point of view, maybe stopping the consumers, like stop, like trying to lower the consume of it. Because like if you have less demand, then you have less offer i don't know if you get me like yeah but i also know that when drugs get regulated the market of drug also gets regulated so narco traffickers or illegal narco trafficking would go down so i know that castillo is proposing to make marijuana and cocaine legal in peru how would that affect peru in general would that be like the new entry of cocaine and drugs or drugs or <laughs> how would it go i mean if you see it from an ethical point it's going to be really hard because like you have a lot of people who hate drugs in Peru. A lot, a lot of people. Like it's not okay to like just go on the street and like smoke like a joint like you do in the UK or in Europe. It's going to be hard socially. I think economically it would, it would not, I mean, the economy around Coke is like, it's very big. Like there's a lot of money moving there. So maybe I'm not sure about that because I'm not, I'm not an economist. I've heard people say that it would sort of benefit the economy. But I'm not sure. And I'm not sure if our country is ready for like to like make it legal. I'm not sure if like the the way of like um, stopping this problem is by making it legal. I'm not I don't really know a lot about like that, but I'm sure it could help the economy a little bit. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, because it's really hard. I mean, we need we need international help to like stop all the the fighting, the narco-terrorist fighting. But yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you a lot about like narco-terrorism in Peru. I just know that um, the US was trying to propose um, to like help people like in their country to like um, make people stop consuming it so that there's not as much people. Like if you if you don't have many people like wanting to, to like wanting Coke, you're not gonna produce as much Coke. So yeah, they're trying to like shift the, the focus. But um, I'm really not sure where, where would that take it. I mean, it's really hard to tell people, hey, stop smoking. Like, that's not your business. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people that would be against this. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm really trying to get like all these concerns out and try to think 
from both sides because I, I have a lot of people that are like who can I vote for because both are so bad we're not thinking of how is this gonna affect our economy our country okay if you had to choose between both what would you think would be the best outcome for the country well it's it's kind of hard because I talk from my privilege but it's also very important to to say that we both are talking from our privilege you know yeah so I acknowledge that I'm talking from my privilege I mean I'm, I'm talking to you from Miami so um yeah I think like as of me and like my circle like you um my friends my family the best outcome would be Keiko because like I mean it's gonna be very hard for our country but at least the economy is going to stay stable so it's gonna be like my my parents won't lose their jobs um because it's it, like mining leaves then a lot of people are gonna a lot of people I know and also loses her his job see your dad and then that, that wouldn't benefit you because i mean you're living in belgium and like you could say oh yeah it doesn't matter because i'm not in the country anymore but like the money that you leave out from comes from your dad so also that, my like, family lives in peru and like my, my grandpa is so worried that he has to leave the country he's like i'm so scared that they're gonna take my house yeah. you know all this stuff it's very worrying and like a lot of people don't like people don't want to leave their country but they would have to like at, at a point they were going to have to leave their country, you know? So um, I think that the best outcome, it's not like the best, like the good outcome, but like we would be better off with Keiko, even though it would it would destroy our country. At least we could like stay there and work and um, we could like benefit from like having the freedom of like creating your business and like trying to make it work, trying to make it bigger. As of like, if we get Castillo, it's going to be like a really radical change. Well, things could change if Castillo gets elected. Um, well, uh, for starters, he wants to like change the economic system. So that that would be very like dangerous. Like what kind of economic system is he going to like? I mean, we don't even know how, like what is he proposing for his economy because it's really hard to understand what is he trying to propose when he talks. I mean, it, he doesn't get to the point. And um, well, if he brings our economic system down, then like, our country, our country has worked like that, like with that economic system for a while. So it's going to be kind of like, it's going to be a big change. And like, as I told you, like um, the, the mining and big businesses are going to want to leave the country. So that's going to bring a lot of unemployment. And um, when you have like these people, like they're, they're not sure if Castillo is going to stay or leave, they start taking their money out of the country. So you see like big businesses taking their money out of, out of the country, like taking into like um, here to the US, a lot of money is coming to the US and to different parts of the world. And you see how the dollar starts like going up. And that's because people are, are scared. They're taking the money out of Peru. And if he gets to power, people are going to like start acting like this. They're going to be like, hey, I'm taking my money and taking everything I have to another country and I'm going to keep it there so that they don't take it away from me. Because you don't know if they're going to do it or not. But that's not going to be okay for our economy because like the dollar is going to go up, 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 up. And then how does it affect me if I make my money in solids? You won't be able to buy like basic things you need, like food, like it's going to be super expensive. So yeah, that's like one small thing that's going to happen if he comes. Like he's he may not be doing anything, but it's going to be so scary and people gonna be, are going to be taking out their money. And we'll, we'll lose our jobs. We don't have enough money to buy food. And well, that's that we, well, I mean, we're not certain that's going to happen, but that's what's scary. That's what scares people. So that, that I would prefer like the job part. 
although our economic system is not the best like it's not just you know but so we have a google docs and you wrote down can't latin americans stop leaving politics as if they were religion oh yeah i i read that um in an article i was reading like around may no sorry around march mm -hmm. um I don't remember who's I, I remember he was a history, uh, history professor and I was reading about populism because you know populism is like big in, uh, in Latin America. He Could you maybe like give a little like summary of how is populism in South America? Oh yeah of course um you know populism is like uh this um way uh it's not like a way of government but it's like a tool they use if you could say it like that And it's basically around a person. So it's very like personal. It's like you follow a certain leader. It's not following like principles, not following a political party. It's around a leader, a leader that's kind of like presents himself as like a big, the big saver. And it's also about like, um, about like fighting, about like the leader saying, hey, I'm going to give you this, 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 without like us understanding how is he going to do that. And that's something that's been going on in our country, in our in our continent for so long. I mean, it's it's part of our history. We have Peronismo in Argentina. That's like strong populism. We have um, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. We have populism in Mexico. Um, so yeah, that that's like, and it always happens. I mean, and like uh, what they were doing in this article is like they were saying that it, it's very it's very like religious. I mean, it's like not the fact that populism has always have to do something with religion, but we leave it as if it were religion. Like we put the leader there and we're like, he's going to save me. He's going to be my savior. I am part of the people that are being neglected and he's going to save me. And that's how they come to power, which is really sad because they don't usually save people. They don't do what they were promised, that what they were promising. I mean, you heard Keiko Fujimori go like, oh, I'm going to build this much this kind like this amount of schools and then you when you process it where's she gonna take the money from where is she going to like how is she gonna build that much that much infrastructure in like five years that that's impossible they they're just saying what people want to hear and as you're saying each political party represents the division of peru in general socioeconomically speaking and also in beliefs it's so different there's like 50% of people are voting for the different sides, you know? That means if one of them gets elected, they won't have support of 50% of the population. That, yeah. That's crazy. We have a very, like, right, these elections are very, very, like, they have divided so much our country. It's, it's really, it's crazy how they have, because, you know, past elections were like, oh, it's anti-Fujimori. And um, the other, the past elections are like, oh, it's anti-communism. But here we have like the big anti-voting together. It's anti-economy, I'm sorry, it's anti-communism and anti-Fukimori fighting. And that's really hard because usually it's just one in the elections. Like we either have anti-Fukimori or we have anti-communism. But now we have both and like both voting, well, like both voting um, behaviors are very, very, very strong in our country and both are very populist so we have a big problem <laughs> and um yeah and what do you think that shapes latin american politics you know latin american politics are so interesting like people usually say that political scientists that come from latin america never get bored because it's like our playground because we have so much to like analyze and like so many social processes and everything and um 
I would say that we have something in common and that really shapes us and it's like our colonial past because we were all colonies and that's where we like took off our pace and that's how our state was built like the structure of our state that's what took us to have more populism less populism and um yeah so first we were all colonized so we have a past a colonized past but from that point on there were some countries who like wanted to become more liberal and there were countries who wanted to become more conservative conservative and liberal not only in the social scope but also <laughs> in the <laughs> but also in the in the economic scope and also i think that what we have in common is that the way our social our political elites political and economic elites relates to our social um like the social classes that are like the medium and lower classes that also like so for example we have um we in Peru, we, we've always had a very, very bad relationship between the elites and the, the lower classes. So that also makes our country not like our state, not that strong and um, populist, heavily populist. Bolivia has like a very similar history to us. And, um, but we also have a different path that countries such as um, Argentina or Chile took. They were like uh, more liberal at the beginning when they were, when they just like the colonizers just left, they were the first ones who wanted to go like because of history, I mean, because of geographically where they were located, because how they wanted to be free. So yeah, they were more liberal, and that takes their government to be what they what they are right now. I mean, but what we could say that we have in common is like we we have our economic our political processes to practically we have them together like as a whole. It's always it, it always happens to like. All of the countries at the same time. I mean, in the 60s, we have a lot of like um, socialist movements, and it, they were all around the continent. We had, um, we even had like this project to unite Latin America. And then, for example, in the 90s and um, 2000s, we were we all became neoliberal together. Maybe one like there's countries who did it like five or six years before, five or six years after, but we we all do it together. And then. We had like recently um, social democracy growing more in our country. I mean, we had leftist, but like not extreme left um, countries. Like for example, Lula Rodriguez in Brazil, he like, he was communist. Um, sorry, he was from left, like social democracy. democracy. And um, our country also had a social democrat um, government. We had Alan Garcia, we had a lot of people like coming. And then now I feel like we're going back to like, right. Extremes in general. Yeah, extremes. I mean, we have Brazil, it's super extreme, right extreme. And we have like Ecuador where like um, the left has won, the, sorry, the right has won again. And in but Argentina, have, it's, it's left, right? Sorry, where? In Argentina. Yeah, right now Argentina is left. But I'm pretty sure that when Argentina, the Argentinian government like um, ends, like the governor right now, there's gonna be a, a right government coming because you know what's happening in Argentina. Like there's- Could you maybe give a, a, a brief explanation of what's going on in Argentina? Yeah, so um, Argentina not long ago, ha, uh, leftist, pre leftist president won. He was moderate left, he was not like radical left, but Argentina has, is going through like big devaluations right now. Like the, the coin is, so, like it's, the dollar is like really high there and um, 
there's starting to be some like food uh how do you say that? um scarcity yeah scarcity food scarcity and people are starting to like leave argentina it's getting kind of hard there it's not that i mean it's not like they're in a super crisis but they are in an in a, in a economic crisis right now and i think that that's gonna make a uh, rightist government come to power because you know le the left hasn't worked so it's so it's it always goes like that but it's really interesting how we all do it as a group i mean we we for example we've had social um protests and a lot of countries have had them like recently it started with venezuela and chile and we had one in peru there's been one in colombia recently so yeah we we all we all work as a kind of a group. What was happening in, in, in Colombia lately as well? There were so many manifestations and... Oh yeah, so what happened in Colombia is that, you know, we were, we as a, as a whole, as a country, we're in a really hard crisis, as a country, sorry, as a continent, we're in a really hard crisis because we're only four, like there's a lot of informality and that has made uh, the economy collapse during the pandemic. And so we have like the pandemic crisis that hasn't finished and is nowhere to be finished. And we also have economic crisis because we are just getting up from everything. I mean, we had lockdowns, really, really harsh lockdowns in Latin America. We have a, uh, a, like a medical crisis and stuff. So there's a lot of countries who are like trying to get up, who have spent a lot of money in 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 like um, like you know in educate in education, sorry in health and stuff, and they have a big debt. We as a country have a big debt. But Colombia has a really big debt too, and they're trying to like get up from that debt. But they like to be really simple. The way that I wanted to get back from that debt was with more taxes, but not taxes to the rich. It was taxes to the consumers, to the middle um, middle class consumers and lower class consumers. And uh, that that was not good. Like for people, that was not good because like you're just you should tax uh, the rich a little bit more if you're trying to like get yourself back up from Texas. And so there were protests for that, but you know, like usually happens in Latin America, protests become violent and the police has no respect for life, for people's lives. And you know, there are like really harsh um, moments in Colombia. And I read somewhere that they were like trying to even um, control the media. So like, if you were trying to post something about Colombia from Colombia, they would like take it down. So yeah, but um, the protest worked, worked, and sorry, the protest worked, and the the this, ¿cómo se dice ley? Forgot again. This uh, law. Yeah, this law didn't pass. So the the president said, okay, we're not gonna do it because it, it was it was like it was abusive. You you shouldn't tax tax like people that don't have already how to actually survive back in COVID. Yeah, and we're the pandemic's not over there. It's not close to be over, and people and are not. Vaccines are gonna arrive like next year. What do you think is the effect of manifesting? Some people take the importance of manifestations, and they're like, you should inform yourself before voting and not manifesting afterwards. But for me, both of them are very important. Manifesting really shows the discontent of people. People are actually speaking, and they're they're against. But what do you think about it? First of all, um, going out in, a, in manifestations is a, a right. We have that human right. Like we can go out and 
express our opinion when something the government is not doing is something we don't like the government is doing is something we don't like so we have our right to go out and manifest manifestate so that's very important and um i think voting and going out and demonstrating is not it's not like ex excluding each other they're not excluded but i mean you can really um inform yourself and vote for someone that represents your ideals and your uh, your politic um preferences and if that hasn't worked you have the whole your whole right like it's your right to go out and protest and the fact that you're protesting doesn't mean that you're not, that you haven't um informed yourself and also protests are so important especially in our country because in our um not in our country not only in our country but in our continent it's so important because it has worked they have worked so many times i mean they have worked so they will have worked in chile i mean they're having another constitution that's what they wanted so it's very important to let your voice be heard because at the end of the day it's the people who have the power and it's the people who give legitimacy to the president i mean the president wouldn't be able to rule if it wasn't because the people give him the power it's how it works so if you don't like something if you if you as a whole don't like what's happening you you should protest i mean protest is is okay, protest is great for our our politics and also by protest is where you know that there's a big amount of people that are not okay with something or that want something and you see how how much like how big is their cause so um i i am completely um uh I, i agree completely with protesting and i don't really like when people go like oh yeah you protest you're a terrorist that's really that makes no sense mm -hmm. yeah i think it's very important to like always remind people that protesting is a right it's a human right if you want to be like very exact it's the right that is born from um a right number 22 and a right number 23 <laughs> no 20 20 and 22 it's born from that so it's a human right and you can say that it's not Yeah. No, it, it is true. I think that people should protest. And if you have the courage to, like, I mean, it's not even about courage. It's about what you're saying. It's a human right to be against something. And also it's, a, it's your right to be left-wing or right-wing or center-left or ne neoliberalist, whatever you want. But I think that we also have to listen between each other. This is something that I really find a problem that, for example, if I talk about my, with my mom, like, not asking right wing the questions but i'm asking her like what about that like imagine if that could change just like a little aspect you know we're always disagreeing and if i disagree with my mom and we can't talk about politics how could we as a whole as a whole continent talk about this stuff you know because as you're saying latin america is still very ideologically fragmented and that is really reflected in politics yeah that's like the reason why we keep changing our like the, the orientation of our governments well i think um you know we we are never going to be able to like all think the same way we're never going to be able to like all like arrive to a consensus that's why democracy works because it's like the the most amount of people think this way so this is what what goes but i think in politics it's really important to help your ideas like dialogue there's dialogue should be like the importance you should be able to hear others ideas and to share your ideas and it's okay if you're not like at the end of the conversation it's okay if you're not like 
on the same page if you don't have the same ideas if you're not okay with what he said or he, he didn't say like your ideas your priorities your values are different but it's also okay it's also a must to listen to them because when you politically when you're just in like one scope and you surround yourself by just information from the side you are from you are going to go to an extremism and you're not going to be able to like do change because like i mean in politics you have to have information from different sides you don't have, you can't live in a bubble it's okay if you're not okay with like um conservative uh ideas in abortion i'm not okay with conservative ideas about abortion yeah. i'm always fighting with my mom because of this but yeah yeah me too uh -huh. <laughs> but it's important to like listen to them and to like try and like and not understand but like um acknowledge their ideas i mean because that's that's politics it's a dialogue so it's ideas being talked being debated and it's it's okay if, if at the end of the day you're not like um you don't have the same idea but, no, but at least get into a middle point where both yeah. of you can win because okay. it is not about just what you want as an individual but also what do you want as a country like what yeah. do you want as a whole country and what benefits your country at the end because yeah. if it was just one to one person yeah okay i don't like you whatever let's not talk anymore but this is a whole country you have yeah, to kind of listen to each other and i think that's what happened in our country we, we weren't listening to each other and that's why we have two extreme points there's no halfway there i mean we we had like sort of half halfway there's with like veronica and um julio Guzman. even with Hernando de soto we had like they were not right in the middle but they were like middle middle right middle and middle left but we didn't listen to them we didn't like dialogue and now we have two extremes and that's what um that's what like divides a country when we're not listening to each other we're not debating our ideas so it's like good to like not maybe not get to a consensus but like as you said um the middle ground you don't have to be um in the center politically all the time i mean if you don't want to there's people who hate you people can. you can yeah yeah but i mean it's important to like be aware of every of all the opinions and try to like form your opinions and make your decisions having i mean listening to everyone i was just gonna say that lately i've seen instagram and i don't really post in my instagram something about politics because in general I don't only have people from, uh, living in Peru, so I can't really all the time spam about Peru, but not spamming in a bad way, but also because I can't convince people that are already thinking that way, you know? And I think that that's something that we don't really do. Like we're always posting, and this is very important, and I've told you already this, that I keep myself informed because of you, you know? Because sometimes you put really good stuff and I'm like, okay, I understand what's going on and I try to follow. But then there's other people that are like, don't vote, don't vote for this person. But then you check the followers of this person or, in, I mean, the people that follow you already think the same as you do. Yeah. So if we also like my parents, they're always sending me memes or like things that they share in their groups. But of course, <laughs> this is people that already agree with your ideology. But we don't really sit down with someone that doesn't think like us. And it's like, okay, so you're gonna vote against my candidate why like let's get to this conversation and tell me why you know like I really want to understand and this is what's happening with me right now I'm like I really want to understand why would people vote for this guy and I want to know why would people vote for her or why would people don't vote at all 
we have to listen to each other yeah, there's i think right now in social media there's no debate they're just i hate you i hate you yeah i don't know twitter but like it was back when we were like fighting Hernando de Soto versus este, um, Hernando de Soto, López Aliaga versus Verónica Mendoza, that's the candidates we had like before we went to this disgrace that we have right they now. They would have been even better than this, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have loved that scenario. <laughs> But well, we had people fighting each other and that's, that's really what bothers me a lot is that when, you know, you see someone, I've seen a lot of people like from the left wing that they go like, Um, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm just gonna block you from Instagram. Is mental health? I mean, mental health is really important, but you can just you can get yourself into a bubble and like just surround yourself by people who think the same way you do. It's important to have people who have like same values and principles, and you know who like are looking for a common wealth. But it's not okay to just throw people out of your life because they don't think like you do. I think people are just go and post stuff and be like, yeah, I'm the one who's right. But there's like no real debate. Like people are not, and respectfully debating, they're just fighting each other. Like everyone's hating on each other right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I understand it's a very desperate situation. I would also be like, <laughs> what's going on? I am like this. What we're doing right now is just exposing in social media. And I think that every time we do this, and it's good, really, some things, You can actually inform people by social media because some people are already very busy in their lives. That's what people say, that politics are for people that study politics and other people are busy doing their own life. And that's sometimes it's kind of true. Like, for example, I don't study politics, so I wouldn't go to the newspaper all the time because I'm like, it's so sad to see everything that's going around the world. But then I just see people talking about the bad things about one candidate but nobody is talking about what's going to happen to a country everybody's just criticizing and hating each other as you're saying but okay i understand both of them suck both of them are very bad options for our country both of them but what's going to happen next like we have to go fast forwarding to that yeah. to that point where we're like okay so what should we do now like we should really kind of unite as a people and say like okay We have to do something about it. And I don't see it. I don't see that in social media. That's why I'm like, what's the point even of, of posting something? <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes I don't like, I don't post stuff because um, like I want to post stuff, but I don't because like it either brings you to people ignoring you or fighting you, like fiercely fighting you instead of like trying to dialogue with you. They're like, oh, you're stupid. You Why do you, why would you like, want him to win i mean i've had so many people from my uni like attack me because i've told them that i wasn't going to vote for castillo i was going to vote for Gigo. Really? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're like oh i didn't study anything in uni what the fuck and they're like it's really it's really violent right now but i also and think that studying something and then living in a in the in the reality is different because yeah. i also live with someone that studies political science and he's also criticizing me all the time when i'm like even slightly thinking about voting for Keiko, he's like, but how, how could you do that? Like, how privileged are you, you know? Yeah, me too. I, I've had a lot, I've had a lot of people attack me because it's like true. I mean, it's, it's, it's really unimaginable voting for Keiko. I mean, I've never, I've never thought of myself going like, hey, yeah, Keiko. Never yeah. <laughs> I hate her. But I mean, everyone like votes for what you think is going to be benefiting like your country, your people more. And um, I think it's cool to like start a debate to like, um, 
we could like really go, like, get together and like um, start a Zoom meeting and like add a lot of people. It's okay to debate ideas. It's not okay to like um, scream to people and like insult them. I've seen a lot of people like insulting people, like telling them, oh, you're stupid, you're dumb. Well, how can you not think? And like posting it, like me, like um, publicly insulting people <laughs> for not voting who they wanted to vote for. And that's not okay. That's not, that's not politics. That no, politics it's not because. Bad. You can't assume or even expect that people are going to think as you. Everybody has a different background. Everybody has different interests and, and the rest. But as you're saying, it could be super cool if we could all talk about politics. Like, as people gather to drink, we could also gather to talk about politics and discuss what, like, sometimes we don't know what's going on. And, okay, you don't like to read. You don't like talk with someone that knows about it like me right now with you like <laughs> i really want i would really like people that are voting like or people that are listening to this but instead of really fighting each other really like trying to get to consensus right now we don't have we don't have a good outcome but we can still work on it yeah we could dialogue where we just fight or we can wait until the next four years you know and fight again <laughs> And keep fighting and fighting, <laughs> but you know, if like to make us feel better, it's, it's it's something that just doesn't just happen in Peru. I mean, in the U.S., they they they're still fighting Trump and Biden, even though Biden already won, and they're still mad about it. And I mean, you you see people like walking around, like driving around with their like Trump 2021 flag, and you're like, oh my god, please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I and mean, um, elections will always divide our country. Of course, everywhere yeah. in the world, that, that's for sure. There's always a, a whole group of people that won't agree. And I totally understand. I mean, I know some people that can't talk about politics without having their vein, like, you know, popping up. And like, yeah. and I understand politics <laughs> is something that makes people go crazy. And that's why some people don't like to talk about it. But we should all approach it like a learning process more than... I See, I personally don't like talking about like politics and like um, over a lunch or something. <laughs> I prefer not to like because I I know I have like my values like they're straightforward and like I for example talking about politics with my parents it's like we're gonna end up like screaming at each other because my dad's like there's no middle ground he's like these are his ideas. So yeah, it's, it's like it's totally normal. People don't really like to talk about politics. I study politics, but I don't really like to talk about politics if it's not on an academic or like in a conversation about it because it gets people really, really mad. And right now you can see that. Well, at least at least now we see the youth getting involved because like you would never see like this much political posting in other times. Or maybe um, also because before we were younger, I would say. Yeah, maybe. Because I think that with time, when you grow up, I mean, I'm still 21, but I'm more interested of what's going on around the world in general than when I was 16. I mean, when I was 16, I, I didn't even vote. Now we have the right to vote. And I think that we should actually know who are we who we are voting yeah. for. And we shouldn't ourselves. Yeah, we should have more channels of politics, like where you can actually get more information and not only i don't know if you have one like newspaper or something in Peru that you read or um well i am really skeptical of newspapers in peru but, what, what's um, your source of information in general 
My source of information is usually improved for Peruvian news. It's usually La República. Because like um, El Comercio, Peru 21, they tend to be biased, tend to show you what they want. It's La República. And I also really like like um, independent um, independent newspapers, not newspapers, but like independent Instagram pages like seem really like, um, like they're not fake news. Because you have like, for example, Huayca, that's like this really like news informer, but it's very like biased, very heavily biased. It gives you good information, but you really have to be like really careful if you're like only consuming information from them because they're like heavily biased. But you can find really good pages. For example, you can also find like really biased right pages that are like, hey, you terrorists. So um, like inform myself from La Republica, try to read um, opinion articles. Well, I also, a big source of information for me is university because like, it's about my, like, it's my career is like reading the news and like discussing them. And for example, I have this, I really like this page. It's called Ahora Ya Lo Sabes in Instagram. And it's run by like students. Um, I don't know where the students are from. I mean, they're from Peru, but I don't know which universities. And they give really like neutral information and they give you like the sources. So you can like see if that's, if that's like real information. They also usually summarize the debates for example, yesterday I could just see half have the debate because I was like up to here with homework, about to sleep. So yeah, that that's very helpful, like finding good sources of information. And um, I would also recommend reading both sides. That's like really important. I mean, consuming Waika, that's from left, and for example, mm, consuming I don't remember the name of this um, right right um, newspaper. I remember, I won't tell you to consume Willux because that's a very fake news newspaper. <laughs> but you know, like read from both sides, read opinions from both sides and also like try and find different sources. I mean, if there's this article, like this um, announcement, try and read the the way they um, give you the, 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 like, the article. Like for example, if ha this happened with terrorism, try and read it from La Republica, read it from Peru 21, read from like different sources so that you like, have a more neutral understanding of what's happening. I think everything you're saying is very valuable. And I, I really hope that this can help people. I mean, I don't think that we have covered even half of uh, political history in Latin America or Peru because it's very, very extensive. But I think that we can spark curiosity on people, I think. And I think this is kind of the objective as well. Not even to not only Peruvians, but also people that I mean, mainly the people that will listen to this are people that can understand English. So that is also something that I'm, I'm sometimes like, like what you're saying, we're talking from our privilege. And that's why I, I really want, like, if there's someone out there that doesn't agree with, with everything we said, just like send a message, because I would really like to hear why are oh, we, yeah. fighting, you know, like, um, if you don't agree, tell me why, like, I would really like to listen to the different perspectives of this. We're very reasonable people, I think so. <laughs> I want to believe that. <laughs> we can do, we can dialogue, we can understand each other. You know, now that you mention it, I remember during the pandemic, like the hard time in the pandemic, like um, lockdown, my friends and I from my, um, from school, we were so bored, we used to like Zoom and we ended up debating a lot of stuff. And it was, it was really like, it was fun. 
It's like we, we had very different opinions, like with your cousin. <laughs> and we were like, we, we would team up and like fight, like not fight, but like debate. It was really fun. So yeah, it's not that boring and it's not that nerdy to do. I really like to hear what, what she has to say about this. That <laughs> <laughs> was so fun. I mean, I remember even he, he like, I once had to leave and the Zoom because I had something else to do. And um, a friend of mine, like, we were talking abortion and a friend of mine, she's like, she, she wants abortion to be legalized as me. And we were talking with like our friends who don't want. And like, she ended up, she was so frustrated because I le like, I left and she was the only one like defending that point of view. She started crying and she called me. So like, please come back. <laughs> But me, I mean, we, we started doing it like on, on weekends because we, we, we couldn't leave the house. So we, We'd get together, we would discuss our life for a second, like gossip about people. And out of nowhere, we started debating like history. We debated feminism. We debated um, environmentally. We debated veganism. Because like there's people saying, hey, you need to you need to have protein. And then she was like, no, you don't need it. Like, it was like really fun. So it's not nerdy, I promise you. You can do no, it over. We should all have <laughs> this like open-mindedness to things. There's more than what we, we think and see and we experience. Everybody has the other side of the coin that could actually benefit us. We learn every day. I mean, I think I've learned a lot today about the, the general scope of uh, Latin American politics. So really, thank you for your time. And I don't know how much time we're talking already. Oh, it's <laughs> like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really, thank you for this you're always invited to come back and talk about politics or or even abortion or whatever i think it's really important to have this discussion and people can be even cooking right now you know but they're like having this thought in their mind so yeah, thank you a lot for coming today thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure thank you for letting me talk about it because i don't usually like talk about my ideas so it's nice to like get these things out of my mind for once without people screaming at me and my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. And thank you very much. And I hope your podcast grows because it's very nice. Like it's a very, very nice motivation to like help people get invo involved and informed. I and think you don't really have to do much effort, just listen. And that's, that's no, so exactly. But <laughs> I really... If already one person hears this and one person thinks about this and one person really feels that what we just said for like two hours was useful, then I'm already happy. I'm, I, I already feel that I'm making a change because yeah. I, I think that's the most important thing that we forget that we can change the world with our own world, our own community. So I know that your friends will listen to this. I know my friends will listen to this. So let's see what <laughs> but yeah i will do some editing don't worry <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> but yes thank you so much and i'll go back to study thank you so much really like it was an amazing conversation uh, i really enjoyed it bye bye say hi to fabi <laughs> bye <laughs>